0: It's great to see you. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to be your interim during this period and to be your preacher today. If you've got your copy of God's Word, I'm going to invite your attention this morning to the Old Testament book of Joshua. I'm going to read a few verses out of Joshua chapter 7 and then some. Over in chapter 8, the title of our message today is this, It's Going to Take Us All. If you're able to stand, I'm going to ask you, in honor of God's Word, if you'd join me in standing and follow along. This passage, as I read aloud, you follow along silently. We, we, We pick up here in Joshua 7, the second verse there, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shibarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Let's go over now to chapter 8, those first three verses And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and rise and go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its livestock you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Lay an ambush against the city behind it. The first part of verse 3 reads, So Joshua and all the fighting men arose to go up to Ai. And then drop to verse 21 with me. And when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had captured the city and that the smoke of the city went up, then they turned back and struck down the men of Ai, and the others came out from the city against them. So they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side. And Israel struck them down until there was left none that survived or escaped. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Thank you, friends. You may be seated. I have in my files a story of a rather bizarre airplane incident, actually a crash. It occurred on September the 28th, 1989, when a U.S. airplane seeking to take off from LaGuardia Airport in New York, skidded into the East River and broke in two. I remember watching as people were being rescued out of the water after that incident. Later on, I read about it. And here's what happened. There was a 29-year-old co-pilot by the name of Constantine Kleisaf. This was actually... His first operational flight after flight training. That'll really encourage you about your next flight, right, church? And here's what happened basically, when they were barreling down the runway to take off, he pushed the wrong button. He pushed a button that de-accelerated the plane instead of accelerating it into a a preset plan for takeoff. And the the pilot tried to take back back over, but it was too late. And the plane crashed there in the river. Fortunately, only two people were killed. But it was a very tragic mistake, a very costly error. Well, here in Joshua chapter 7, we have another co-pilot, if you will, the co-pilot of Moses, Joshua, who made a similar error. Instead of engaging all of the people to go into the battle for the little town of Ai, Joshua listened to the advice of the spies and decided to disengage, to cut back on the manpower to go up and engage the enemy in that battle. The spies said in chapter 7, you don't need to take all the people to Ai. Just take a relative few compared to the entire congregation of Israel. God comes back in chapter 8, and the Lord says, no, no, you take all of the people up to Ai. Now, friends, there is a word here in this passage for our instruction. As I said last Sunday, we are called to war. Just like ancient Israel, we are engaged in a battle. There's an inheritance in the land that we are still to possess for our Yeshua, our Joshua Jesus, we're called to battle. And I want you to note here on your listening, God, this one introductory truth, and it is this. We can learn valuable lessons from ancient Israel's disastrous defeat, as well as their subsequent valiant victory. These things in the Old Testament we are told in the New Testament, are written for our benefit. And we can take advantage and learn from Israel's mistake. And also we can learn from the great triumph that God gave to them. We'll learn, I hope this morning, to obey the Lord. To wage spiritual warfare His way. When we are battling for the lives of children and young people and young adults and men and women when we're pushing back darkness, when we're taking back territory, which is held by the enemy, Satan. We said last week that Jesus builds his church and then he says what? The gates of hell will not stand against it. We are to be the church maturing and the church militant, taking back territory that is under the rule of the enemy. So there are valuable lessons for us here today. Two main truths, two main takeaways I want you to note, church family. The first one is this, that there is a terrible mistake which we need to avoid. Now, what was the mistake of ancient Israel in our passage today today? Following the advice of the spies, don't make all the people go up there and toil at Ai. What is the mistake that we make as the church? Lean in close. It is when we have any kind of attitude that thinks a portion of the church can do the work of the whole. That we don't have to take everybody to the battle. Now, Because God was displeased with his people, they were led into a costly error. What what was God upset with them about? The sin of Achan. When you read the story of the battle of Jericho, when the walls came a-tumbling down, there was clear instruction to God's people that they were not to take any of the spoil from that battle. But there was one man named Achan who did take some of the spoil of the battle, and he hid it in his tent. And because of sin in the camp, the Lord was displeased. And so what he did was he just removed his hand. He said explicitly, if you're not going to wage war my way, if you're not going to obey me, then I'm going to leave you to your own devices. And they came up with, Joshua came up with, this disastrous policy that all the people were not needed to wage war. Folks, I really want you to double-click on what I'm about to say. When God is working in a congregation... When God's spirit is ungrieved, listen carefully, he will lead the church to make wise decisions. But when there's sin in the camp, when we are not obedient to the Lord, it it is as if the Lord says, listen, have it your way. And he abandons us and we are led into folly. There should be such spiritual life in this church and in every church that we would not think for one skinny moment that his work, laboring for the Lord, is just to be done by a few. I promise you, folks, if we are not going to take everybody along in battling the enemy and getting involved in the church, there's sin in the camp somewhere, and so this is a mistake, a terrible mistake that we need to avoid. Now note a couple of truths at this point. First of all, note why we often fail. Why is it that God's work is so often done in the church by relatively few people? Why is it that not everybody goes into work for King Jesus, is engaged in spiritual warfare. where there are two reasons I want you to look at with me why we often fail. First of all, because of pride. I see this in the attitude of the spies. These apparently were the Green Berets of that day or or the Navy SEALs. They they were the experts in warfare. And, And they said, you know, We don't need to take everybody up to AI to fight this battle. In other words, we can handle it. We are the experts in warfare. Can I tell you, friends, that that attitude is still prevalent in churches today? That in many congregations, there are a select few that may be so prideful that they say, you know what, we'll just handle it. And they'll sometimes look down their long spiritual noses at others in the church, and the attitude is, we've got this. You're not ready. Sometimes the attitude is, you're too young. Can I tell you, every great move of God that I've studied in history started with young people, Folks, I thank God for young people that get on fire for God. But sometimes they are held back. Or the attitude is you're not as smooth as we are. You're not as trained as we are. You're not as articulate as you are, as we are. As a matter of fact, when you get out there trying to work and trying to witness and share the gospel, you might get it wrong. Pray tell me how a lost person knows if you got it wrong or not. When you just share the basics of the gospel and share your story. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon The God who can protect the gospel from its foes can surely protect it from its friends. Sometimes the attitude is well, you know, this group right here, this group, they're, they're just a little overzealous. I heard some of this kind of criticism when that Asbury revival broke out a few months ago. Folks, I've been at this a long time. Can I tell you something? It's a whole lot easier to calm a fanatic than it is to raise the dead. Wildfire is better than no fire. God give us anything but lethargy and death. I say, let's marshal all our forces. Let's all engage in the battle. Let's all grab our spiritual weapons. And spiritually, let's go up to AI and let's show the world that there's a God in Israel. Let's don't be victims of pride. By the way, this is a mistake, I believe, not so much in theory as it is in practice. For I think in theory, we would say, especially as Baptists, we believe in the priesthood of the believer. We we believe everybody ought to be involved in ministry. You may have somebody pray in a life group like your groups here on a particular Sunday so piously, oh Lord, help us as we witness for you this week. But the truth is, they don't intend to open their mouths and say a word about Christ that week. You may hear somebody say, oh, Lord, help us, give us your power as we serve you this week. When in practice, they're not going to lift a finger to do anything for the Lord. Oh, God, help us to live for your glory. When in practice, all they're going to do is live for themselves. You see, in practice, in most churches, the work and the witness is done By relatively few people. And yet we can deceive ourselves, watch this, into thinking that we are in the battle. We show up on Sunday as if we are really engaged in warfare when the truth is we have played it safe in our tents. And we've stayed on the sideline because of pride. But here's another word, because of presumption. Think about this. The battle at Jericho, when those formidable walls could have been so intimidating, victory came relatively easy. I mean, all they did was walk around the city walls once a day, and then that seventh day they walked around the city walls seven times. They blew the trumpets. They gave a shout, and the walls came a-tumbling down. And they went in and they took the city. And so now they're going up to little old Ai, and they were so presumptuous, Jericho fell with just a shout. It was a strange battle plan indeed. But the walls fell, we took the city. Ai is going to be a piece of cake. Folks, that is presumptuous. Now press into this truth. In a church, success can be a dangerous thing. Are you with me? When when you've had large gatherings, when you've had great additions, when you've had a wonderful spirit, when you've experienced many victories in a church, sometimes the temptation is just to take it easy and just to rest on on your laurels and just let a few do the work. Folks, just because the walls of Jericho fell easily does not mean Ai is going to fall easily. That is a sin of presumptuous. God save us from such presumption that we would presume that not all the people need to be involved in the work of the church. What we need is the attitude of the Apostle Paul, that great soul winner, that great church planner, that great evangelist, that great missionary, that great writer of Scripture. I want you to look with me at Philippians chapter 3, at something that Paul said about his own experience. Look on the screen at Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Paul says this, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was still pressing on. Paul forgot the things that were behind. Friends, in our spiritual walk and in our work and in our worship and in our witness, we need to forget what lies behind. We need to forget the failures of yesterday, amen. But, folks, we also need to forget the successes of yesterday and take all the people into the battle. It's going to take us all. So we, we looked at what, why we often fail. Notice item B there, What we often forget. You see, Paul forgot the right things. We sometimes get spiritual amnesia about the wrong things. Two things I want you to know. First of all, we often forget, look at it, God's own purpose and plan. What was his plan with ancient Israel? He had commissioned all of them to take the land. They were all to be executors of his divine vengeance on These people who had committed capital offenses, all of Israel had been enlisted for the work. All of Israel was expected to share in the blessings. Not just Joshua, not just some key leaders, not just the priests, not just some military men. They they all expected a dwelling place in Canaan. And so they were all expected to be involved in the battle. Folks, mark it down. God never intended for a select few to go forth in battle trying to take back territory in our day and age. All of Israel was expected in the war. All of Israel was going to experience the glory of God. And that's the same thing for us. Sometimes you'll hear a phrase about a young man or a young lady that that individual has been called into full time Christian service. Friends, listen to your interim pastor. The day you got saved, if you're a Christ follower, you got called into full-time Christian service. I used to tell the folks where I pastored, you know, I get paid to be good. You're good for nothing. But the truth is, (laughs) the truth is, all of us are involved in full-time christian service some of us do it vocationally but all of us are to be pressed into the army of the lord jesus christ let me give you two examples where this needs to be seen in our experience first in evangelism in witnessing sharing the gospel look with me at acts 1 8 these are the words of jesus this is red ink on white paper But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. All right? Upon whom has the Holy Spirit come? Whomever that is, is to be a witness. Two passages tell us, look at. Romans 8 and verse 9, Paul wrote, You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Friends, away with this theology that says, A, you get saved, and then somewhere down down the road, B, you receive the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? The day you got saved, you received all of the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. The question from then on is how much of you does he have? But I want you to look at something else along these lines. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So Jesus says, if you've received the spirit, you're to be my witnesses. Start right where you are. You're Jerusalem, then Samaria, Judea, the ends of the earth. It is to be total involvement and total infiltration. We're all meant to participate, and we're all meant to permeate our world with the gospel. I'm telling you, it's going to take us all. And this is also true in this matter of our giving financially, our financial stewardship. Two verses. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Paul said, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do on the first day of every week. Each of you, each of you, is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. In similar fashion, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. How many are to give? Each one, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Folk, defeat comes when we forget God's own purpose and plan. God forgive us when we forget our mission, when we get away from our high calling to serve Him, and we excuse ourselves, we exempt ourselves, and then we show up and we thank God for what others have done, or worse still, take the credit for what others have done. And a staff member this past Wednesday, as I was sharing this thought, said, or even worse still, criticize what others have done when we have not put in for our share of the work. So we often forget God's own purpose and plan. But notice also we often forget our own precedent and our own pattern. What was the precedent and pattern for Israel? Jericho. Everybody was involved in walking around the walls and giving it a shout. Everybody had a great deal of faith and dependence on God. They were all involved. Gave a shout. Walls came down. Let me ask this. What is our precedent, and what is our pattern, friends? It is the book of Acts. When you read Acts, you are reading your church growth manual. And you'll read things like they were all together in one accord. They all prayed. They all gave. They all witnessed. There was a zeal that encompassed all of them, a burning enthusiasm filled the entire church. They were many, oh yes, but they became one. And I say when it comes to the work that the Lord has for Crossroads Community Church, Let's be sure to take the whole family on the trip. It's going to take us all. So there's a terrible mistake we need to avoid. But then quickly note item two here. There is a tremendous mandate which we need to accept. And that mandate, very plainly, is is that we all get in the fight. Friends, if you work in the nursery, you're fighting for the future of that little baby. You work with young people in this church, you're fighting the devil in this culture, especially in his grip on our students. If you serve on a committee or in some way in a deacon ministry or a ladies ministry, men's ministry, you're, you're fighting the good fight for King Jesus. These people that play and sing on this platform are literally fighting the enemy with praise. Folks, mark this down. The church is not a cruise ship. The church is not some luxury liner. The old ship of of Zion is a battleship. (laughs) And it's time for all hands on deck. And so how do we do this? I'm going to run through these very quickly. Six steps. First of all this. There is a danger which we must realize. And that danger is that we would think God's work can be done by just a few. Same mistake Israel made. It's a danger to ourselves initially because, friends, this is when God stretches us. This is when God matures us and He grows us. When we get to work for our Joshua, our Yeshua Jesus. When we get in the battle. When we are involved. I heard a wonderful African-American preacher say one time, God ain't going to help you out until you get into something. That is some good theology, amen? The reason more of us are not experiencing the power of God, we're playing it safe. We're staying on the sidelines. And folks, idleness really is the devil's workshop. You can take a pack of those sled dogs that when they pull together, they can carry a sled across the frozen tundra and accomplish a great mission, but you let them sit around a campfire, and they get a little fat and get a little lazy and a little bored, they'll start yapping at one another. Sound like any Baptist you know? When did David fall into his sin with Bathsheba? It's when he sent his warriors off to the battle, and he stayed home, taking it easy. Walking on that rooftop, that's when he saw her. That's when sin came. I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing. There's a danger we need to avoid. And it's a danger not only to you as an individual. It's a danger to the church. One sick sheep can infect a whole flock. You know, when a football team's getting ready to play an opponent the coming weekend and they read about the injuries on that team, they get a little more confident. I said this last week. You can't serve the devil Much better than joining a Baptist church and doing nothing. The enemy is emboldened when he knows that there's weakness in the camp. So we've got to realize that danger. Notice the second truth, and it is this. There is a disobedience which we must root out. Israel dealt with the sin of Achan when he hid the Babylonian spoil or the spoil from Jericho, what did they do? They stoned him. They burned his, bo- his, his body. They dealt with sin drastically. And I'm just saying we need to. Where's the breakdown? Why would we think of not getting involved in the war? Is it a lack of prayer? Is it a love of ease? Is it carnality? Is it laziness? Whatever it is, we must go on a search and destroy mission and root it out Root out the disobedience. Here's the third takeaway. There is a duty which we must reemphasize. The duty is that we all need to go to work. And friends, I'm just saying, we need to educate all the members of the church to get busy for the Lord. What are you doing for the Lord's church? What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake, as we ask? A couple of weeks ago. That needs to be a question that is asked constantly around the church. We are a great organism as a church. The stopping of one part grinds the machinery to a halt if we're not careful. We're all part of one body and the inactivity of one member of the body can affect the whole organism. And so let's reemphasize the duty. It's what I've been trying to do in these Three Sundays now. And then here's another takeaway. There's a dignity which we must remember. We need to dwell on the importance of the work that we are doing. While the fuss about giving and teaching and leading and serving and working and ministering, friends, because it's the Lord's work. Israel's calling was a high and holy calling. There's a dignity to what we're doing and to win a soul. Is better than gaining the whole world. And then here's another takeaway. There is a dynamic upon which we must rely. The reason for the failure and the defeat at Ai was God's presence did not go with them into that battle. And folks, we have a giant of a God living inside of us, and we must rely on him. You may say, preacher, I can't do this, or I can't do that. Friend, you can't, but he can. He can rely on His presence and His power and then return. We must return. There's a design to which we must return. Again, God never intended that some of Israel but all would see the mighty works of His hand. He wants all His people to work with Him to overthrow the adversary. I'm saying to you, His call is a call. To all. Can you imagine? Can you visualize what might happen if we all got to work for King Jesus? I'm telling you, we wouldn't have enough time to fight one another. We'd be fighting the real enemy. There'd be no more rough-and-tumble business meetings in our churches, no more discouraged pastors, no more lack of resources for the great work to which God has called us. I think about Exodus 36, when the people gave and gave and gave so much, Moses had to say to them, stop giving. We have more than enough. One time before I die, I want to be able to say that to a church. You've given too much. There'd be no more divided denominations I'm telling you, friends, imagine what would happen if we just all get in the battle. And when the battle's over, those that were in the thick of the battle fighting for King Jesus, bruised, yes, bloodied, yes, but hear me, full of joy, unspeakable, full of glory, satisfied. And those who played it safe will consider themselves losers because they did not put in for their share of the battle. I have in my files a story about a little boy up in South Dakota that wandered away from his family. He was lost for a couple of days. They began to gather townsfolks and friends and neighbors and Boy Scouts and law enforcement. They began to search the the fields in the prairie area for this little boy. And, And finally, on the third day, they said, we've got to get it together. Why don't we just join hands together? And they made a, a long line, a quarter of a mile long. They said, we're going to sweep these fields one more time. And on the third sweep, they found him in a ditch under some brush. The cold prairie temperature had taken his precious life and the boy was dead. And they got his lifeless body. One of the volunteers And took it to his mother. And she cradled the boy in her arms. A hush fell over everybody. And finally, she said this. Why didn't you join hands together sooner? Oh, why didn't you join hands together sooner? So I want you to look on the screen. This is the last thing I want to say to you. Let's be sure to join our hands together before it's too late. Friends, it's going to take us all. Amen. Amen. Our heads are by and our eyes are closed. In a moment, we're going to have this time of invitation. These praise singers will lead us in singing this I believe. I'll be here at the place of prayer If you've got some commitment of life you need to make today, maybe you need to become a follower of our Yeshua, our Joshua, our Jesus. You've never surrendered your life to Him. We're going to invite you to come. Take me by the hand. Just say, I need Christ. Or maybe you've trusted Him another time or place. You need to be baptized, and we can explain that. Maybe schedule that. If you want to unite with the church today, move your membership here. Somebody will talk to you about that. Or... If you just need prayer, you need to get some things right with the Lord. Maybe you need to reenlist for active duty to get in the battle. Don't let any pride or presumption hold you back from obeying the Lord and being a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Father, we ask you now to have your way in this invitation and give courage to those who need to respond. May they come. As you lead them during this significant time of this service, we pray in Christ's name and for his sake, amen and amen. Mm -hmm.